Welcome to the podcast, Dan Carity, if I'm being honest. I call it that because as an alcoholic in active addiction, I was anything but honest. I was a liar. But now in sobriety and in life, I am sharing my journey, honestly, even when it's ugly. My guests and I will discuss addiction and mental health, relationships, politics, and just life. And we will always give it to you straight. So here we go. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. If I'm being honest, thanks for joining me again today. I'm going to start by reading a quote that I got from, well, one of my favorites, Mr. Ryan Holiday, probably my favorite author out there, but just also my favorite follow on social media. I feel like I get so much wisdom and life experience from him on a, on a daily basis. Uh, but this quote is, the fear you feel is a sign. If courage is never required in your life, you're living a boring life. Put yourself in a position that demands you leap. Hmm. I'm going to read that again. The fear you feel is a sign. If courage is never required in your life, you're living a boring life. Put yourself in a position that demands you leap. I love that. I wrote a book. I wrote a book with the same title as my podcast, if I'm being honest. And it scares me that that's going to be out there. It's coming out on September 12th. And man, it's nerve wracking. I've talked about so many different things that have happened in my life and moments in my life and experiences I've had, but it's all in little bits and pieces on this podcast, on other people's podcasts, in social media posts, in interviews that I've done. <clears throat> and I've talked about all these things, as I said, in, in different bits and pieces, but the book is the one place that the whole story is there. The whole story from, from my childhood and how I grew up, how I started partying in high school, all of the incredible things that happened in my career all of the experiences I had in my career, wonderful people I got to work with, hang out with, date. And then it goes into my relationship with Natasha and the early years and then us getting married and then my kids and my eventual downfall and what took me to rehab and then what life has been like since getting out of rehab. And it's all in one place. And 
It's just nerve-wracking thinking that people are going to know the details of what happened in all of those different situations and experiences. And the decision to put it out there was a... Well, it was, I wouldn't call it painstaking, but it was, it took a long time to come to the place where I was going to write the book. I more or less started writing it while I was in rehab without knowing that I was writing the book. It's, you know, when you're in, in rehab, they ask you to start journaling and... I didn't really understand why, but yeah, sure, okay, I'll journal. And when I started, I've, I found how much I enjoyed it. I was a journalism major in, in college, and I was always a creative writer in high school and in college and my early years after college. So I loved to write, and I rediscovered that very quickly. So I would write for hours on end while I was in rehab. Sometimes in the morning, sometimes at night. In between sessions while I was there. And the point of it, I found very quickly, was that I was realizing things that I had never realized before. I was digging back into my past in ways that I had never done before. I was bringing to light a lot of stuff that I had never thought of, that I never had taken the time to think about or to understand. And I started to piece together all different events. And what I was finding as I was piecing together all of those events were patterns of behavior that began as a teenager and only strengthened and followed me throughout my life. And that life... When I speak at meetings, always, I always start AA meetings, by the way. When I speak at AA meetings or things like that, I always start by saying, I've lived a, I've lived a charmed life. My buddy, Michael, always pointed that out to me. And it was true to an extent, but I never lived it to its fullest. I short-circuited so many incredible opportunities and relationships and experiences because of my addiction and because of my 
anxiety that followed my addiction. And although I found myself doing well, making money, hanging with cool people, traveling the world, I wasn't enjoying any of it. I wasn't getting anything out of it. I wasn't living. And so from an outsider's perspective, yeah, I was living a charmed life. From my perspective, I was just trying to get through each day. So in the book, I talk about, you know, I talk about experiences in, well, in my career and in my, you know, my 20s where I was hanging out at Michael Jackson's ranch and having dinner with Michael Jackson. And I talked about the experience, the relationships of how I got to that place and how I ruined those relationships and how I didn't build on those opportunities and those people that I met. You know, going to Michael Jackson's ranch and getting to hang out there at Neverland was something very few people get to do. I got to do it. And I should have been grateful for it, but I wasn't. And I didn't follow that up with anything. It was just another thing I did in my life and I checked off the list and left it behind and got nothing from. I worked with Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake for a long time and ended up in a very precarious position, uncomfortable position in their relationship that I screwed up and maybe could have been able to help. But because of my own insecurities, my own anxieties, my own addiction, didn't recognize the situation and didn't help the situation. And in fact, because I didn't help it, it actually got worse. And there are friendships I have. My friends in the Netherlands will all recognize the name Gordon. Gordon, who's a, if you're not from the Netherlands, he's a very famous man over there who became a great friend of mine from our time working on Holland's Got Talent and some other projects together. And we became fast friends and we partied hmm, a lot together and had some crazy times. And he was somewhat of my introduction to the Netherlands. But he was always good to me. 
And he was always a good friend to me as well. And I took advantage of that friendship. And in order to hide my own addiction, my own issues, whether it was to friends or it was in interviews, I would always point to him and put the blame on him for our partying, for our crazy Queen's Day or King's Day boat rides, for our after-party nonsense. And I would always say, well, you know Gordon, you know Gordon, and I would, I would blame him for whatever it was that we were doing, but I was just as much of a participant, if not pushing the issue, because I was always wanting to get drunk or wanting to find the drugs. So I treated him unfairly as well. So these are all things, I'm just touching on them now, but that I really go deep into in the book. Of course, I... As I talk about, you know, the fear of putting it out there, it's I bring you inside. I bring you into the hotel rooms that I would stay in by myself. And what a night was like for me. I bring you into my home with Natasha and the kids. I eventually bring you to rehab with me and explain what it was like going in there. But the best part is getting to explain what it was like coming out of there. And as I said, I started writing this thing in, in rehab not expecting it to, one, connect all the dots for me or bring about the revelations that I had. But I kept writing. And when I got out of rehab, I kept writing. And when I started doing the 12 steps in AA, I kept writing. And before I knew it, I had something that could make a difference for other people. And there is that quote that I've heard a million times, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard it, about, I recover out loud for those suffering in silence. Well, I benefited from others recovering out loud benefited greatly from other people recovering out loud. And so I said I was going to do the same, and that's why I started this podcast. That's why I talk online about my recovery. The book is a bit of a different animal because, as I said, it's all in there. The true, intimate, 
personal details of my family, of my alone time, of my relationships in the business, and everything else. It's all there. And sharing that is much scarier than the other stuff. But I also think it's necessary. I think it'll help. I think other people will read it and see themselves or see someone they know. And it's just another example of things aren't always perfect. We do a great job of looking at other people's lives and thinking, man, look at that guy, look at that woman, look at that person, and thinking, I want to be like them, or I wish I could have what they have. I, one, I had the opportunity to have a lot, and I, I blew it. But I also made everybody think that perfection was all around me, and it most certainly was not. I'm proud of the book. Very proud of it. It was incredibly therapeutic to write, and it helped me dig up so much that I don't think I would have otherwise been able to remember or, again, to connect the dots with. And mostly, I hope it helps. I hope it helps other people. But I would be lying if I didn't say it's a little frightening. It's a little frightening to put it out there and to know that people are going to, well, that they're going to know so much of what my life has been like and what I've experienced. But ultimately, what it's like now. That's the best part, is that what could have been a charmed life got really ugly. But sobriety has has brought my life to a place that it really is special now. And I do feel like I lived a charmed life. I live a charmed life now. So the book is out September 12th, if I'm being honest. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and do not hesitate to check out some of my past guests. If there's something you want to get off your chest or just some comments, suggestions to make, please email me at dkpodcast at Have a great day.